Welcome to another episode of the Flow Road Podcast. I am Edgar otra vez, and today on the show I have my co-host El Lechuga. And we're going to do a recap of UFC 270, and we're also going to look ahead and give a preview of the upcoming fight night on Saturday, February 5th with Hermeson versus Strickland. Now, if you're new to the show and you want to find out more, head on over to our website, thefloralpodcast.com. There you'll find a complete catalog of all our episodes and a store where you can find all our merchandise. Things are really interesting right now in the UFC. Me and Lechuga talk about some of the more interesting uh, subtopics. And one thing in particular that we'll talk about is fighter pay. Now, I hope you guys like this episode. You know me, I love talking about fighting. Now, on with the show. No, no, you're good, you're good, I'm sorry. Um, welcome to another episode of the Floral Podcast. Uh, <laughs> today, uh, we're doing an episode of MMA... We're going to do a recap of the UFC 270, and I have my co-host, El Lechuga, to help us uh, talk through and do a recap of the show on two, of 270. So, um, how you doing, man? <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing good, man. Can't wait to get in it, get into it. And uh, I mean, but I am concerned. I think we should all be concerned. Um We got to keep Uncle Dana, Dana White, in our thoughts and prayers. He hasn't been seen since Saturday night. So, <laughs> this, this Tuesday evening when we're recording this and no one has seen or heard from Dana White. So, Are you serious? Yeah, man, I'm serious. Like he just, because I mean, he left and you brought this up to my attention. Mm -hmm. he, 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 he left even before, you know, Nganu got the belt. Like somebody yeah. else gave him the belt. And when you told me, you sent me a message, I'm like, get out of here. That shit didn't happen. Because I, you know, I was, I had some friends over and, you know, I, I wasn't really paying attention. And so I was like, get out of here. I'm going to look at this, right? So I go, I rewind and I'm like, holy shit, that's not Dana. <laughs> Has he ever done that? Uh, he's done it once before. Well, kind of. So when Stipe was champion, Dana and Stipe were also butting heads quite a bit. Um, And one time Dana came in to give Stipe the belt. Stipe took the belt from him and handed it to his coach. And his coach put it around Stipe's waist. Um, and so I think the next fight after that, Dana did not go in there. Someone else gave Stipe the belt. Um, yeah. It, it's funny. There's a lot of parallels between Stipe and Francis Ngano when it uh. comes to their relationship with Dana White. But yeah, man. Uh, apparently he's got like some Twitter um like fan response thing scheduled for tomorrow however he gets to pick the questions he responds to so i don't know how, i don't know if he'll be going in detail about any of this stuff yeah dana dana's a funny cat too because like it, it seems like he's got a pretty good like uh shell like he doesn't mm -hmm. like not much bothers him Cause I mean, I even I remember like I don't know like five years ago or six years ago I I, I sent a, I sent a I tweeted something then I said oh you know Dana fuck you I'm not gonna pay for you know <laughs> for the prices that you're asking for you know on the UFC and pay for you know the ESPN not ESPN but like whatever whatever streaming platform he was going for at the time because yeah. I mean he has they also have the UFC.com right. And yeah, you can, you can look at the archive there, but you know, I sent them a message and I was just like, dude, you know, like, I'm like, 
I'm not paying all these prices, right? Here I am. I'm still paying for the prices. And then he, <laughs> and it's only gone up. And it's only gone up, but he responded and he's like, no one's asking you to. You don't want to buy it? Don't buy it. Oh, my God. Did he call and you I, a goof? No, he didn't call me a goof. But I was just like, oh, shit. Data responded. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So I was just, you know, so it's funny to see that he takes offense to certain fighters behavior you know like I, well, I i just would think that he would be a you know a little more resilient than that well now that we know that you have that connection with him maybe <laughs> you should you should try tweeting at him or something or send him a dm like hey just checking in on you buddy want to make sure you're okay <laughs> we're all worried <laughs> yeah yeah me me and dana we're we're like we're like this man we're yeah i'm, I'm gonna <laughs> let me tweet well, dana <laughs> It didn't just end with the belt, by the way. So each UFC pay-per-view has a press conference afterwards mm-hmm. where the, all the fighters come out and ask some questions, unless, you know, they're in the hospital. Uh, um, but Dana always starts out the pay-per-view and he'll go up there for like a good half hour, 45 minutes and get his thoughts and then talk about upcoming stuff or whatever. He also ditched that. Interesting. And that has not happened before. Huh. Any speculation yeah. as to why? I mean, aside from what we think, you know, the the, the drama, uh, do you think there might be something else that is actually keeping him from being in the public eye? I don't know. I mean, he's already had COVID and that was rather recently. So I, I would doubt it's that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I don't know because he hasn't said anything. So all we're left to go by is the obvious stuff that everyone knew was upsetting him when it comes to Nungano, but we can get into that later. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what else it would be. I mean, the guy has shown that he's willing to do whatever it takes to be at these UFC events, uh, including putting them on across the world in Abu Dhabi on an island. Yeah. So I don't see what could have happened at that last minute that would have pulled him away because mm-hmm. he was there for the entire fight. He left right before the belt was presented to Nungano. So, yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, it's just like, I don't know. He's a funny cat, man. Because remember, I mean, one of the last podcasts we talked on, you know, dude was watching another fight while, you know, fighters uh, were fighting, you know. So he was watching Canelo while, you know, mm-hmm. um, Wiley was fighting, you know, is, you know, against Rose, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, I don't, uh, I don't get that guy. You know, I, I don't, I don't get that guy because that's that was a good fight. Um, you know, it's it's probably his jazzercise background that sport <laughs> attracts. Yeah. You know, really, you know, reckless, risky individuals. Mm-hmm. So, well, like, like I told you, uh, senior citizen moms and you know, old ladies are tough, man. You know, don't mm-hmm. uh, you know, don't sell them short, man. They 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 might knock you out. <laughs> yeah oh dude that's that's rough man um but yeah so like um so what do you think what are your thoughts on the uh, on the card overall like where do you want to start so going into the card people were not that excited it was Mm -hmm. a very top heavy card you Mm -hmm. know it was uh gone or francis nagano versus gone and then uh moreno versus figueredo but the rest of the card was a bunch of no names there was eight people on the card that were unranked making their UFC debuts. Ooh. Um, yeah, there wasn't really many fights people were excited about. Um, however, as I did research into the card, uh, I got more excited because these matchups are actually really good. Mm-hmm. Um, 
as you were looking into like the fighter profiles and watching some of the fights, these guys, previous fights in other organizations, a lot of them had a ton of knockouts. So at the very least, while most of these people were unknown to the general public, the fight should be good. And that's kind of how it played out. Um, pretty much all night long, there was knockouts and submissions and the decisions that did happen were good fights, you know, mm-hmm. and a lot of these guys making their debuts really made a name for themselves. So it, it was, I, the card ended up being a lot better than what people expected. Yeah. Yeah. One of the, one of the things I, um, I remember noticing was, uh, and, and I regretted too, cause I was like, oh man, I'm going to have to watch this fight again. Cause I was like, you know, people were coming in, we we're watching the fights and then, the first one on the on the card was a banger, you know. Yeah, and I was just like sitting there, like these, like I was sitting there and I was turning around, and every now and then I look up and I'm like, these guys are fucking playing rock and sock and robots. Like what the, fuck is <laughs> you know. And every time I was up, look, every time I looked up, somebody was like getting punched in the face, and I was just like, wow, you know. Like I'm like okay, so I I I told the one guy I was talking, to, I was like, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> But I, I need to watch this fight because this is getting good. You know, this has been good and I'm I'm not paying attention. But I was just like, damn. So and, and it's it was kind of like that the whole night. The whole night. Um mm-hmm. my uh I had a specific interest in watching Zaid Nurmagomedov fight. Mm-hmm. And I remember seeing his name and I was like, oh, who's this yeah. cat? You know? And I was like, so I figured he's related to, you know, Khabib or Habib or whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. What's the relation there with between those two guys? I'm pretty positive they're cousins, uh, but they train together. I mean, both uh-huh. are from Dagestan. Both came from the same gym. Both have that Sambo background, uh, except Saeed uses kicks and, like, elbows and stuff a lot more than we ever saw from Habib. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's always been an exciting fighter. Mm-hmm. The problem with Saeed is – he takes really long layoffs between fights hmm. either because of health issues or he just, for whatever reason, doesn't take a fight for the year. Um, but he's averaging less than one fight a year. I mean, this fight was his first one in a, probably a year and a half. I think it was maybe close to two years. Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, a, it's been, a, he's had, you know, unfortunate luck with injuries and stuff. Hmm. And then other times I guess he just doesn't like the matchups he's being offered. Hmm. Well, he did fantastic that night. Uh, yeah. Submitted the guy in like, what, a minute? Maybe if that? 47 seconds. Fucking amazing. And it was a sick submission, too. Yeah. That he, was nuts. He finished that shit fast, dude. Mm-hmm. Fast. I was just like, whoa, wait a minute. What? I, I mean, and the guy he finished was Cody Stamen. Uh, uh-huh. And Cody also was, he's doing, he was doing, he was doing really well up into this fight uh he's an interesting prospect he's really heavy on wrestling uh he's dominant when it comes to wrestling um so this matchup had people interested because it was how will one of these dagestani fighters do against someone that is equally as good as they are when it comes to wrestling and grappling and sai just tore through him you know yeah yeah he made it look real simple because what he ended up with he ended up with like a guillotine choke on top right yeah, it was just like I just remember thinking like, "Fuck, dude!" Like it didn't take him long. It didn't mm-hmm. take him long at all. I was I was just getting settled in. I was just like, "Okay, let's you know let's watch this." And I'm like, "It's over." 
<laughs> you know, I, I really, I really wanted to watch more. You know, it's I guess, I guess it's good for him. So, if you had been watching that fight, would you have guessed that Saeed is the is the unranked guy in that matchup? I I wouldn't have guessed that at all. Yeah, it's it's wild. Who? What, um, what was uh, mm-hmm. what was the other guy ranked as? Uh, Cody's fifteen. I'm assuming they'll probably swap places after that fight. We'll probably mm-hmm. see Saeed at 15 or 14 and Cody will drop out. But um, yeah, uh, I remember like I texted you before the fight and I picked Saeed to win. Yeah. I just didn't think it'd be like that. <laughs> that was freaking wild. I wonder what the odds were for that fight. Uh, Saeed was favored, but barely. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty positive. It wasn't by much. It was like, I think 110 or something. Um, yeah, I think it was like 110 or something. Mm. I don't remember. I'm not finding the odds right now. But from what I remember, Said was uh, very barely favored to win the fight. So Moreno versus Figgy. Mm-hmm. That fight really frustrated the shit out of me. <laughs> oh, my God, dude. Me too. Uh, I felt like like it was Moreno's fight to lose. Yeah. He 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 should have won that fight. There's a couple there's a couple problems with that fight that I have, but uh, first one being uh, there was a little bit of like uh, showboating, right? Yep. I had a problem with that. I'm like, why why? And it almost seemed like he was purposely holding up his chin, mm-hmm. you know. And I think he paid for it, but then it seemed like it ended up being like a bad habit because then he wouldn't put it down, and I'm like. All I could think was, dude, sure, you think you're good, but can you just win the fight? You know, stop mm-hmm. fucking around, you know? Um, there was a little bit of that. The other problem I had with it was he did a lot of waiting. He, I felt that there, he had plenty of opportunity where he rocked Figgy and he didn't take advantage of it, you know? Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's smart. You know, sometimes you want to, you know, you clock a guy and you kind of cook him. Till you can get to a point where you know you you can knock him out. So you rock him a few times and then you go in for the finish later. But he didn't do that. He just, he would rock him and then let him recover and then rock him again and let him recover. And then, you know, then Figgy would knock him down, you know, either by punch or crazy ass kicks. And, you know, the other thing that I noticed is the thing you brought up in the in previous podcasts where he, the funny way he was blo- he was uh, checking the kicks. He wasn't checking the kicks. He was just kind of avoiding them by yeah. lifting up the leg. So I was like, oh, shit. I guess this is going to become like the new standard way of avoiding mm-hmm. kicks. You know, it's really interesting because that's not how I check kicks. Not that, you know, I spar all that much anymore. But when I do spar, I just go for the traditional check kicking uh, method mm-hmm. that you that ties employ. I would... I, I I'm itching to try that. <laughs> I'm itching to to see like does it take a little more effort, you know? Yeah, I think it changes you. It changes your stance because mm. you can't have that leg planted if you're going to have to lift it at you know on a super quick reflex like that. And I'm assuming you you have to practice a lot. The person we were looking at that employed that employed that first was Aldo. Yes. So, and I'm pretty positive that's who Moreno must be watching and trying to emulate a bit. I just, he was not as successful at doing it as Aldo. 
even though he tried to check several and lift his leg out of the way, I'm pretty positive Davison still landed 27 leg kicks or Jesus. calf kicks. Yeah, it, which is which is wild. And the yeah. fact that he was still walking around and standing after five rounds uh, mm-hmm. is pretty nuts. But it, it was so frustrating because every time Brandon attempted his own calf kick, they were landing. Uh, Moreno had his entire, or Figueroa had his entire weight on that lead leg, and he was letting Moreno kick it, and Moreno wasn't doing it. It was just odd. Mm. I wonder. I wonder why why Moreno would not. I don't know, dude. I think there was he. I think he came in really cocky. He's a young fighter, right? He's yeah. like what twenty five or something. Mm-hmm. He's he's yeah. he's, you know, he's a young guy. Uh, I I think uh, his his his, I think his corner failed him in this respect. They probably should have mm-hmm. like, hey, it's like, hey, stop the fucking bullshit. Stop the cocky shit. Keep your chin down and 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 get to work. You know, like you I, I maybe the other thing, too, is it's like sometimes the corner doesn't see things, you know, like we as as spectators, we're watching the fights. We see everything because we got cameras, right? Maybe maybe yeah. maybe they weren't seeing the same thing. But usually that's what the coaching is for. The coaching is there. To, to be like, hey, you know, I see something even though you don't see it. Like, for example, you know, you you hit somebody in the ribs and it stung the guy. It's the coaching corner's obligation to yell, hey, he's hurt. He's hurt the ribs, you know. And then you, you know, you as the fighter start dropping, you know, bombs on those ribs, you know. But, mm-hmm. you know, again, I couldn't hear the coaching, so I don't know what they were really saying. But I would think that in the corner, this would come out and be like, "Hey, you got to stop the, the the fucking showboating," and and when you rock him, you finish it. You know, he was doing things like he would pop him and then let him walk around. He wouldn't cut the ring off enough, at least not for me. Um, there was just a lot of things that was bugging me. But the whole chin up in the air, saying, "Come on, come on, hit me," just fucking annoying. I hated it. I hated. <sighs> I hated that part because I felt that he had a he had a legitimate chance to win. And the then fight there, was there. Yeah. It was there. It was like you said, it was his fight to lose. And a lot of things happened in between the second fight and this third fight. So the first time they fought, it was a draw. Mm. And it really was a draw because Davison was uh penalized the point for the low blows in that first fight. Otherwise, Davidson Figueroa would have won that first fight. Wow. Um, Yeah. The second fight, Davidson Figueroa had a nightmarish weight cut. It's really hard for him to cut to this weight, and he had a worse time of it than usual. So he went in looking weak, depleted, and we saw Brandon Moreno dominate. Uh, We saw him barely even flinch when getting hit with Davidson's biggest power shots. And that's the thing that makes Davison Figueroa stand out in this weight class is the amount of power he has in his strikes. He's very like we've strong. never seen we've never seen someone in this weight class knocking people out the way Davison Figueroa did. Yet in that second fight, Brandon was just eating those punches. He was fine, and then he took him down. The other thing with Davison Figueroa, because he's so strong, is he usually dominates on the ground as well. Mm-hmm. And in that second fight, we saw Brandon Moreno just take him down. He was reversing Davidson Figueroa's takedowns. He was dominating him. Brandon Moreno was dominating him on the ground, which we had never seen before. And then he submitted him. So going into this third fight, like you said, I think Brandon Moreno was really cocky from that second fight. 
in his mind, because he he came out several times. He didn't believe Davidson Figueroa's excuse that it was a bad weight cut. He felt like he was just making up excuses or whatever. Mm-hmm. He didn't want to admit that he got dominated. So I think Brandon really bought into that. He bought into his own hype. Um, in the time from the second to the third fight, Brandon Moreno has been splitting his time between living in Vegas and living in Tijuana, Mexico, where he was training before. Yeah. Um, and he's become more famous, you know, so he's had a, more obligations. He's also the, the Spanish commentator for a bunch of UFC fight nights and pay-per-views. So he does all that. Um, and then to top it off, four of the fighters from Brandon's gym in Tijuana moved and were living with him uh, in the lead oh, up to shit. this. Yeah, in the lead up to this pay-per-view, there was four people from his gym fighting on this card and they were all staying with him. They were training with him. So he might have been getting pulled in way too many different directions. Didn't really properly focus on this fight the way he should have. And also went in thinking he was, you know, going to dominate again and didn't really take the time to game plan any differently. It seemed like he went in with the exact same game plan again. And on the other side, Davison Fergo did everything differently. This time he started his weight cut way sooner than he did last time. So he didn't have to have such a drastic cut in the two weeks leading up to the fight. He hired a brand new nutritionist to help him do all that. Uh, He moved from Brazil to the U.S. He lived here that entire time since that second fight. And he joined Henry Cejudo and Wele's gym. So he's been training with them. And we saw the results. You know, it spoke for themselves. Yeah, so uh, I, I sent you a text about this um, or a message on, on mm-hmm. Facebook on about this. Uh, this Henry Cejudo, man, that dude, <laughs> it bugged the shit out of me, man. I know he's he's yeah, he's made a career of uh, being cringy, mm-hmm. but I'm like, damn, Rasa, what are you doing, bro? What do you dude, what are you what are you doing? You know, I like, couldn't stand him. I couldn't stand seeing his stupid hamster face up on the screen <laughs> cheesing for the camera posing for photos with figueredo and the rest of that you know his team it was it was absurd dude yeah i was just like dude i understand um that guy came to you but you were a pawn in all this man and you look bad you make you make i don't know man i i, I probably shouldn't play it up all, all that much but like you know you, you're supposed to be mexican you know oh no man he henry himself played it up um <laughs> i forgot to send you the interview after the fight later that night uh a very drunk davison figueredo and henry sejudo Cejudo, yeah. did a bedside interview with the schmo and yeah. you know the schmo yeah, i know yeah. the schmo yeah i've seen that guy yeah, yeah. he makes me laugh yeah, so it was in Davidson's uh, hotel room, mm-hmm. and it's Davidson Ferrero and Cejudo laying in bed together doing this interview, and oh. then their crazy, uh, their promoter, their manager, uh, what's his name, Wally, in uh, the bed? sitting next to them. Yeah, they're all in the bed, man. Like an actual bed. A bad look. An actual bed. An actual bed. I can send it to you once we're done with this. Uh, no, 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 don't send it to me, man. It's going to piss me <laughs> off. But Walid, yeah, bro. But, but Walid, that's Walid Ismail, right? Yes. That guy is a psycho, man. Or it wasn't. Yeah, he's he was insane. A, he's insane, but he was, you know, in his younger days, you know, but. No, he that, remains insane. <laughs> 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 Nothing's changed. Yeah. 
That's that's good to hear. You know, it's good to hear. He's got that fire still. <laughs> you remember his old interviews? I remember uh, the crazy stories I heard about that guy where he's had like crazy drag out fights in the street yeah. with other Brazilian fighters. And, or, or I think in particular with the Gracies, you know? Yeah, but, that's what he used to call himself, the Gracie killer. Yeah, though, well, because he he clock choked the uh, fucking uh, Hoyler. Or not, not Hoyler, yeah. who was it? Was it, no, it wasn't Hoyler. It was, it was Hoist. Yeah, he. Uh, I, I think he, I think he clock choked uh, Hoist, and uh, it was it was funny. I've heard all kinds of wacky stories about that particular situation too, because um, it happened. I mean, there's you could see it. There's a there's a there's a beautiful video out there where he fights uh, Hoist, and you know. Um, I think, I think one of the, as the story goes from what I hear, and I don't know, this is just a story. I don't know if it's true, but, mm-hmm. uh, apparently, um, somebody from the, from, from Hoist's family on of that side of the family approached Carlson Gracie or something like that. And was like, Hey, you know, I, you know, I want to fight one of your, one of your guys or, you know, Hoist wants to fight one of your guys, you know, to prove which side of the family is the best or whatever because mm-hmm. carlson gracie is like a cousin yeah of, of uh of that particular lineage of of gracie's but anyway so um from the main branch but anyway like uh so you know i guess those while they were arguing or discussing the the whole you know intricacies of, of what the fight would be they you know they were talking back and forth and he was like well i'll take this guy this guy is like no you you can't you can't take those guys here i'll give you i'll give you walid and if you can beat walid then then you can move up the chain and we'll give you some of these other guys because you know from my understanding carlson's like this guy's family i don't want him to get murdered you know so he gives him they give him walid and walid clock chokes hoist unconscious and they were like everybody was afraid that he was dead and this is one of the reasons like even in jujitsu tournaments when a ref sees that clock choke come on they're they're a little quick to kind mm. of stop the yeah. uh, stop the match because uh because of that particular story because apparently i guess the clock choke when it comes on it comes on kind of fast and you're going to be out <laughs> you don't want to be dead you know um but yeah so anyway that's that's wonderful. It's great to hear that he's still a psycho. Like, <laughs> well, know. one of these days, man, we're gonna have to do like a tangent as to who really earned that nickname, either you know Walid or Sakuraba. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the biggest Gracie killer? Who's the biggest Gracie? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, man, going back to Hudo, man, it's not a yeah. good. I, it's not a good look, man. I mean, I, I know he must have he must have had that thought at one point. To think that hey you know this is probably not gonna look good for me you know for the mexican community especially when i go when i used to go into fights holding both the american flag and the mexican flag yeah man well the thing is he he's the one that offered to train figueredo um so they're both represented by walid however mm-hmm. on top of that uh Cejudo has been going around saying that brandon moreno is the traitor so yeah, uh, several years ago they used to train together. They used to uh, 
Cejudo would bring in Brandon Moreno to spar with him as mm -hmm. when Cejudo was getting ready for his fights. And Brandon was super broke, you know, so he was willing to come in whenever for the extra work. Um, and then eventually Cejudo told Brandon, like, hey, I don't need your services for this upcoming fight, whatever. Uh, so Brandon at the time really needed the money. I think something was up with his daughter. Um, and the guy that Cejudo was fighting in turn offered Brandon a spot to come in and spar with him. Uh, and Brandon took the job. Um, this happened, at, I don't know, like freaking three years ago now or something. Um, and in that, in since then, uh, Brandon and Cejudo seemingly made up. They were fine. And then for whatever reason, in the lead up to this pay-per-view, Cejudo started calling him a traitor again and talking all sorts of nonsense and stuff and really telling a one-sided side, a one-sided story as to what happened. What a, what a, <laughs> yeah, bastard. dude. So yeah, like, man. like he, he's a fucking dick. Cause I mean, think <laughs> about it. Something happened to his daughter. He's probably, he probably, you know, Brandon probably went to him and said, Hey man, look, you know, I really, I really need the money. My daughter, this and that. And then mm -hmm. this guy probably was like, sorry, you know, I'm like, understandably probably was like, Hey, you know, like I, I already have a team or whatever. I've already made, you know, but yeah. I still would have, I still would have thrown him a bone. I still like, look like, you know, just come in, you know, we'll, you know, cause that's what you're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you helped me train last time. I know you need the money. Let's just, just come in. Maybe I don't spar with you, but just hang out. I'll give you a few, I'll give you a few bucks. You know, I can't give you what I give you before, but, you know, because like this whole animosity thing that he's creating, he is creating. What a fucking. Yeah. Thing. What a fucking. I mean, I think Sugudo has shown time and again, he's willing to do whatever it takes to get attention, regardless how cringy it is, regardless how embarrassing, regardless how it makes him look, he's willing to do it. And he's been going back and forth with the UFC because he wants to get a title fight. Suhudo wants to make a comeback. The UFC doesn't want to pay him what Suhudo is asking for. So now he's trying to bring on as much intention to himself to try and tell the UFC, like, look, the people want to see me back or something. I don't really know. Yeah. Um, and it's not going to work, though. Yeah, I don't care to see that guy again. Yeah. I've already, right. I've, I've already seen him too much. Like, I've, I've, I, I saw him at, on, at 270 with his ugly fucking head. Um, poking <laughs> over, you know, all the trainers. It's just fuck that guy. I don't know. I, I don't know why I'm getting so heated, man. <laughs> I wasn't the I wasn't the guy who got dissed, but uh, yeah, man. But it's just like fuck, man. Like, like even even if this guy had nothing to do with his training, the fact that he would go and show up his his show up and and put his face on the camera for this guy, a la Steven Seagal. Is yeah. just kind of like you're you're such a fucking a piece of shit, man. It's Dude, just... that's how I felt. I was already like really upset that Brandon Moreno lost because you know I love that dude. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think I took out all that frustration on Henry Cejudo. You think that's what easy. it is? <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's a lot of that. He's an easy person to hate. So yeah, yeah. I had a you know I had to release that somewhere. <laughs> the healthiest direction was in Henry Cejudo's direction. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's a he's a good uh, he's a good heel, right? Yeah. Oh man, it's just fucking guy, fucking fucking guy. Um, 
there's you know you know you've heard that saying nobody screws you over uh worse than your own countrymen right yeah is, yeah yeah they said that pretty uh, there's a lot of that's being said in, at least in spanish and in, in the mexican community because it's always you know the person that screws you over is always it's always a mexican guy it's always another mexican it's just it's the truth man it is well, I forgot. go ahead go ahead i was gonna I, say there's i forgot how the saying goes in uh spanish yeah but it's uh crabs in a bucket you know that one no i never heard of that when you when you go and you catch a bunch of crabs and you put them in a bucket if one of the crabs tries to crawl its way out of the bucket the other ones pull it back in <laughs> that's oh uh, yeah it's a there's a saying in it for it in spanish but yeah that's is it, that's is a it, lot of is it like uh, crabs in a bucket something like that i don't know why i can't remember right now it's but, it, yeah. the, the saying i'm thinking of it is, is something to the effect of um Nadie te, te chinga peor que tu propio raza, you know? Yeah. But it, that's just, I don't know. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm not even sure that's the that's the saying. But, yeah, I don't have a, a colorful one. But, it, you know, it, it makes sense because there's, you know, the reason that happens is because there's, one, proximity, right? These people mm -hmm. are next to you. And, two, you understand the culture. So you know how to take advantage of the person. So, yeah, because uh, apparently I, I was talking to a friend of mine who's who's Chinese and he says they have an, the exact same saying. And I'm like, that makes sense, because, again, it's, you know, proximity and understanding of the culture. Nobody can leverage it unless they have a, a yeah. true understanding of the culture. So fucking people, yeah, man. man. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's human nature, man. It's human nature, I guess. It's just I fucking. I don't know. Anyway, I'm done talking about Cejudo, man. Fuck that guy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> let's go on to, to other hateful people <laughs> like uh, like Dana in this uh, Engano versus game fight. Uh, first of all, mm -hmm. I felt like I f and tell me if you feel the same, but I felt like Engano probably probably could have ended this fight sooner than he did. I feel like he intentionally made it last five rounds. Is, is that in a fair assessment or you see it differently? Uh, I, I mean, I had that thought too, especially because of the history that Ngano and Gane and Gan have together. Yeah. You know, there's possibility that maybe Ngano didn't really want to hurt him that bad. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. Cause, uh, Ngano, I don't know if you saw, but, uh, he's got a torn ACL. He's got a great theory sprain of his MCL. That's right. That's right. It, yeah, and then um, I forgot. There's one other ligament in his knee that he's got a partial tear of, uh, and that happened just three weeks ago. And the Tuesday before the fight, um, he met with his doctors. His doctors told him, "You shouldn't do this fight. You need to pull out. Um, if you take enough damage to that knee, if you take a really bad kick to that knee, uh, it'll be irreversible damage that we won't be able to fix through surgery anymore." And Nagano still. He went through the fight, as we all saw. So I think part of it was uh, he didn't have the same level of power because he couldn't plant on that leg. Um, so I think it was, you know, a lot of that. His conditioning, of course, wouldn't have been that great if he can't run or anything in the lead up to the fight. Damn, that's that's probably that, you know, I forgot. I did hear about the the the, the damage in the knees and mm -hmm. I completely forgot about that just now and you make an 
the absolute and the absolute perfect assessment that is right it probably affected his cardio because he can't run and he can't plant he can't plant for for power shots which is what yeah. he's known for like yeah. knocking people's heads off that's what he does <laughs> you know yeah. uh amazingly though he grabbed that dude picked him up in the air and dropped that guy dude, i fucking i love that so much it was, it was amazing absolutely perfect yeah yeah it, it was absurd like no one he i mean the last heavyweight you saw doing that was daniel cormier you know yeah. no one expected to see some d1 level wrestling coming from <laughs> yeah no it was fantastic man it was it was fantastic he did a little bit more grappling the than i um than i'm used to seeing out of vingano which is funny because like sometimes the 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 ufc commentary cracks me up but like like they were like applauding him you know for for some basic jujitsu yeah you know super like, basic super basic white <laughs> like belt level. sweep yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's some great stuff he had going on and i yeah. was and uh you know but it's it's not super technical it's not not anything that i don't know man it's just like uh if you guys were commentating fucking uh white belts at some jujitsu tournament you'd probably say whoa look at that that was amazing you know because <laughs> I, mean, I was about to ask you so like if uh if you had if you could yeah. what belts would you have awarded francis Tangano after that fight i'd probably give him a blue belt blue belt yeah i mean first of all i'm not a black belt but i would give him a blue belt he's a blue belt at least at least you know <laughs> Yeah, maybe well, I you know. Uh, what 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 belt would you have given Gone? I didn't see anything out of that guy that makes me think he <laughs> he deserves anything better than a white. I mean, yeah. Again, well, you got uh, a blue belt versus a white belt. So yeah. yeah, well, yeah, and then so I am not the guy to be making promotions. I'm not promoting anybody to jujitsu belts. Uh, <laughs> I'm just talking out my ass. But from what I uh -huh. saw. You know, like, you know, Ngano gets a blue belt. Although this guy is doing all this shit again with real bad legs, right? So yeah. uh props to that guy because he's a champion regardless of how you how you cut his skills. Cause I that is that is some champion level shit to go yeah, in. Yeah, that was part of a champion stuff. Yeah, for sure. To go in because he knew and to segue a little bit, but to, he knew what he was up against in terms of Dana White mm -hmm. and his contracts. And he knew that if he pulled out, that he would get nothing but shit from Dana. And so he has, you know, if he really wants to win this contract disputes with, with Dana, these contract disputes with Dana, mm -hmm. he really needs to come out and, and not give him an excuse to talk shit, right? Yeah. So, like, if anything... This fucking guy's a hero. And, and some of the things that you were mentioning before, the fact that he is standing up, because you, you, I think you said this before we started the podcast, you said that Nganu is standing up not only for himself, but for the lower tier fighters. He wants everybody mm -hmm. to get paid, not just him. Yeah, it's, um, it's almost shocking to hear the amount of interest and care he seems to be taking into the financial health of the rest of the fighters uh and not just for himself mm. um francis Ngannou uh disclosed that between 
the Stipe fight and this fight, he turned down in total around $7 million that the UFC was trying to offer him to get him to shut up and to just re-sign his contracting for more fights. Uh, he turned those down. So he made 500 grand off the Stipe fight, made 500,000 off this fight. Um, which, you know, it's a good sum of money, but when you compare that to the other, you know, professional sports or boxers, it's peanuts. It's nothing. Yeah, it really yeah. is. Especially when you think of the obligations that fighters have, you know, having to pay their team, having to pay for their gym, having to pay for flying and they don't get health insurance. So yeah. if you get, if you get, you know, knocked out or you tear some ligament or you break a bone in that ring, um, in the octagon, I should say, that's coming out of your pocket. Well, I, I believe the moment you sign a contract, uh, you are covered by the UFC uh, insurance. So any kind of medical that occurs while you're in contract because you're practicing, you are covered. But it's when you're out of contract, when you don't have a fight mm -hmm. lined up. You know, you could be just, you know, getting ready but you haven't signed the contract and you get hurt, you're shit out of luck. You know, that ACL, that's why a lot of these fighters will go into a contract with torn ACLs and all kinds of shit just so that they can get to fight night and then use, yeah. use that opportunity to go to the hospital and get everything fixed and count it as part of being in contract with UFC and being covered by the insurance. So Which is it a crazy is, way to live. Which is absolutely crazy. Like, what choice do you have, right? If you have a torn ligament, like you have a torn ACL, you that knee is not steady. You can't really fight, but you're going to go into a fight just so you can get it fixed. I mean, <laughs> I think the night of the fight, um, because these fights happen in California, the fighter payouts have to be disclosed. And all these papers in Vegas, they never have to do that. They can all be concealed or whatever. They don't have to disclose any of it. In California, they do by law. Um, those eight fighters that are making their UFC debuts, most of them got paid $9,000, $10,000 for that fight. And there was one fighter in the Frivola fight. That guy got knocked down seven times. I don't know if you saw that fight. Yeah, I, didn't, I don't remember seeing it. but I think so it was the very – it, it might have been the very first fight of the prelims. Mm -hmm. Um, it was one of the, one of, um, uh, Brandon Moreno's training partners from Tijuana, actually. Uh, he got knocked down seven times in those first two rounds before the, the ref, you know, finally stopped the fight. Um, that guy made $9,000 to get knocked down seven times. Definitely had to go to the hospital that night, but I mean, <laughs> these fighters fight maybe two or three times a year and they're getting paid 10 grand. So what they made 30,000 without whatever gets taken out for taxes, without what gets taken out for paying their team, their gym and stuff. These guys are living paycheck to paycheck. And a lot of them have, they have real day jobs in addition to doing this because they can't afford to live off of this. Yeah. 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 No, absolutely. I've seen uh, people tweet and put on Instagram post stuff saying to the effect that I'm driving Uber because the UFC won't pay me enough so that I could pay my fighters and, and live or pay my, my coaches and my, my memberships and all that stuff and live. This is like, these are I'm, people who, who were really passionate about their sport. Yeah. 
I mean, there was another uh, one of the female fighters, uh, Demolopoulos, Demopopoulos. It's a hard name. It's one of those great names. <laughs> yeah. Um, she she let it out that her day job she was a stripper. She was stripping oh, yeah. more to make ends meet. Yeah. I did and, see that. I did see that. Yeah. Yes. And then she also said, like, um, you know, she's really proud of her body or whatever and everything, but she was terrified to be a stripper. She said it was more frightening than getting into a fight because, you know, of the atmosphere you're putting yourself into. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just like these stories are just up and down the entire roster. It's only like the top 10 guys or whatever that are making a decent amount of money and the rest of the people are getting by paycheck to paycheck. You know, you know what's crazy too is um, this is the situation for all these fighters and they have to find new ways to pay for this shit, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, these women especially, right? They wouldn't be stripping or you know starting an OnlyFans if the UFC yeah. paid them, right? Yeah, people were asking Misha Tate if she's going to start an OnlyFans. Yeah, and she got upset. She was like, well, I'm not yeah. going to do that. I'm too good for that, right? To a certain mm-hmm. extent. I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. Maybe yeah, erroneous. That, that was the gist of it. That's the gist of it. She she is not in the same position and she doesn't even understand the position that these other women are are in. These women, they're beautiful women, and they have an opportunity to take advantage of of their beauty, to pay for the bills that they're racking up that the UFC won't pay for, their employer won't pay for. They can go to work at McDonald's and make more. And they shouldn't have to. That's the frustrating thing. Like mm-hmm. these these people are working normal everyday jobs, and they're savages, and probably yeah. pissed off. God forbid you go to a fucking Starbucks and there's like a, a rank fifteen UFC fighter giving you your fucking latte, and if you say something out of the way, he might knock your head off. You know, first of all, <laughs> the UFC should not allow that. Because you're putting the public in danger, <laughs> you know. And second, like, just pay these people. They're risking their fucking lives. Dude, think about it. If you're making fifty-five to sixty thousand dollars a year, uh, which is around what an average American's making right now, I think it's like fifty-two thousand is the average salary. You're making more money than someone that's out there getting kicked in the head, you know, and having to train every day of the week to do their job, like. It's it's not. It's wild what these fighters are putting themselves through when it comes to their health, their time, everything they're putting into this to be compensated so very little. And and these people are famous. Yeah. That, that's the that's the crazy part of it. The they are they are famous. They are on TV. They have thousands of followers on Instagram, and they're driving an Uber. They're 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 carpenters. They're firemen. They're, they're strippers, they're fucking on OnlyFans, they're all these fucking things. And they shouldn't have to be because if you want these elite athletes to perform, you should be paying them what they deserve because they're they're giving you content for your product. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I don't know, man. It's it's um it's amazing. That, that brings us that brings us back to Francis Nungano. So Oftentimes in the past, when fighters would speak up about this stuff, Dana White would just, you know, offer them a big juicy contract, get them to shut up about it. That's what he did with GSP. GSP used to be one of the first big name fighters that was pushing for a fighters union. Instead of getting a union, the UFC just 
gave him a really huge contract. And then he dropped it. <laughs> you never heard GSP talk about that again after that. Um, I mean, there's been several fighters. I mean, Mark Hunt is in the middle of a lawsuit with the UFC right now because of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, John Jones hasn't fought in, what is it now, two years or something, two and a half years, because he's demanding better pay. Um, Stipe also was bumping heads forever with the UFC. But what separates Nganu from those fighters is those fighters wanted better pay for themselves. Nganu is on the record as stating there isn't a number the UFC can offer him right now that would make him happy. What would make him happy is if the U.S., the UFC changed the structure of their contracts because it, I mean, it, it's a common sense argument. All these fighters are considered uh, independent contractors. However, they're not allowed to fight for other promotions while they're under contract with the UFC. So how are they an independent contractor at that point? Yeah. Um, the UFC can hold on to them seemingly in perpetuity if the fighter is not willing to take any of these fights. So if the UFC offers them a fight, the fighter's like, no, I don't like that matchup or whatever. Um, the UFC can be like, all right, well, we offered you a fight. You said, no, we can just hold on to you for the rest of the year now. And you can't go fight anywhere else. Um, like you said, if they, if it's after a fight, the UFC will cover their injuries. However, for the rest of the time, they don't, they're not being provided health insurance. Uh, they're not being provided a pension. They're not being provided with any of these things. And Ngannou was on the record saying that that's what he wants. That's what would make him happy is for the UFC to change the structure of their contracts, compensate fighters more, and then offer them full health insurance, a pension. A lot of the things that you would see, you know, with most normal jobs, maybe not a pension anymore, but you get all sorts of benefits. You get profit sharing at a lot of companies. You'll get a 401k, Yep, all those things that you expect when you're getting a benefits package from a you know, a full-time salary job. That's amazing. He's a hero. He's a hero that he would, he would stand up for the other guys. And it's, yeah. it, I think it speaks to not only his character, but the upbringing that this guy had, right? I mean, he was yeah, working in coal mines, right? Mm-hmm. It's digging really, ditches. Digging in ditches Africa. in Africa. Yes. And then he was he's, homeless in Paris. He's a fucking amazing person to stand up for everybody. Cause he knows yeah. he he knows he probably knows desperation more than anyone, right? And yeah. I just don't understand the thinking that Dana White has in terms of doing this to fighters. Like you're you're mm-hmm. you're sure you're making hungry fighters, right? But and maybe and maybe that's why the content is so is always so good. That's why the, the fights are always, you know amazing right because there's so much desperation they want that extra twenty five thousand fifty thousand whatever the fight of the night thing is you know Mm -hmm. they want that bonus because they're fucking starving right uh i i guess that's the motivation for that but like they he take he took away everything from them too like like they had the opportunity at one point to advertise using their gear when they go fight, mm-hmm. you know? And then Dana took that away, gave them uniforms. They all wear mm-hmm. the same crap now. And it's yeah. always it's always like, whatever. Nobody wants to buy that shit. But even if someone bought it, the UFC fighters don't get a piece of that at all. It doesn't make any yeah. sense, you know? There's so much mm-hmm. money. Granted, 
maybe the UFC does not make the same amount of money that boxing does. But at least boxing, the fighters make money. And what they're what the UFC fighters are making, that's comparable to like a low level journeyman boxer. Like yeah, you're, at you're the rig- bottom of the card. At the bottom of the heap, like guys who don't even fight in Vegas, guys who fight <laughs> at a rinky dink yeah. card mm-hmm. at at a you know at some social hall, you know, on a Thursday night. Like that's what yeah. they pay them. Those guys will make five thousand, ten thousand, etc. You know, and that's back in the day. I don't know what they make now, but they boxers will always make more money. They they almost have a better chance of foregoing you know uh mma and just going straight into boxing like that's where yeah. the money's at or screw ufc and go to one you know go to go to well, one look at, yeah or to bellator yeah all the guys that have lost the that have left the ufc to go to one or to you know pfl or bellator bare knuckle fighting um they're all making significantly more than they made at the ufc um cory anderson who fought in the UFC for several years, he said after one fight in Bellator, he made more money than his entire UFC career combined. And who, who do you know that watches Bellator? Who, I don't. who do you know that's buying Bellator cards? Like, yeah. so if they can afford to be paying these fighters this much, it makes no sense that the UFC can't. Um, if you look at the projections for that last pay-per-view for 270, um, the fighters and you look at their payouts made less than 5% of the projected revenue for the car. 5%. Yeah. And uh, Nangano's already said that he would prefer at the, at a minimum for fighters to be making at least 15% of revenue. And that's just at a starting point. Um, Cause it, it's absurd. It, it's really, really absurd. Yeah. And there's all kinds of weird, like contract things that, that they put in these things that they get, you know, the UFC has the right to use their likeness, you know, all these things, right? Yeah. To, to, to be able to, like, continue to use their, that particular fight that they recorded, you know, for whatever thing, streaming, et cetera, you know, uh, ESPN, you know, TV nights or whatever. And if if you look at a show like, you know, Friends, for example, that thing is mm-hmm. in syndication has been in syndication forever. Yeah. And those guys, they don't have to do shit ever no. again. It's on, it's on fucking, I don't know if it's, on, it, it was on Netflix at one point. It's on HBO Go or HBO Max now. Max. Yeah. It's on there. They're making, that that show has been making money since the day it stopped airing. And, yeah. and you know, one of the things that these shows do on purpose is they, they, they make sure that they get to 100 episodes because once they hit the 100, the 100 episode mark, they can go into syndication. Yeah. These, these, you know, the UFC has plenty of these episodes starring plenty of these fighters, or I shouldn't say episodes, but fights. Mm-hmm. And these guys are not getting any of this kickback money. No. So, um, I mean, like you pointed out, the fighters lost the ability to get their own sponsors to put on their shorts or to, you know, wear a t-shirt with the sponsor, wear a headband or something with the sponsors thing. They lost all that. Uh, the UFC signed that exclusive contract with Reebok and now they're with uh, Venom clothing. Venom. Yep. Yeah. And 
But the, the irony that people point out is, so the UFC did that because they said they wanted to look more professional. They wanted the fighters to have a uniform so that they would look like uh, the rest of the professional leagues, like the NBA or the NFL or whatever. And they didn't like the look of having all the different sponsors on the fighter shorts. It looked very un-uniform. Mm-hmm. Uh, but since then, there are more ads than ever before on the actual octagon, on the mat. It, the entire thing is covered in ads now. Every post on the octagon has an ad on it. Um, the fight clock is sponsored by DraftKings. I mean, it's it's absurd. So the UFC is making more money than ever off of sponsorships, yet none of it's going to the fighters. The UFC signed a 10-year, $175 million contract with Crypto.com that makes the fighters all wear Crypto.com T-shirts on their way out to the ring. None of that goes to the fighters. Um, the first bone that they've thrown towards the fighters was it was announced earlier this week. Uh, the UFC is going to sell their own NFTs. I don't know if you saw that. I the didn't know that. Get, That's yeah. amazing. I want some. <laughs> <laughs> they got released. I think they got released today or yesterday. Oh, that's um, a fucking amazing. I'm going to go check that out. Holy shit. That's awesome. Yeah. And the fighters get 50% of that. So oh, wow. that's the first thing the UFC has done that a significant portion will go to the fighters. Mm, 50% is still kind of, well, it's better than nothing. You yeah, see, right? you see, okay. So here's an opportunity for us fans to go support a fighter, buy some of these mm-hmm. NFTs, you yeah. know? Ooh, man, oh. this is, this is awesome, dude. Okay. Well, this is, this part of it is awesome. I like this. Uh, I've been looking into <laughs> NFTs. I've been wanting to make my own. Um, haven't gotten around to it cause I'm still kind of like trying to figure it out, but, mm-hmm. uh, that's one of the things I want to do, but like, fuck man, maybe I'll go buy some NFTs of, uh, of the fighters, man. I would love to have like just anybody. I don't want to say anybody because then people are going to start buying them. <laughs> but, yeah. Well, imagine if you got the one for Nagano slamming a uh, gun in that fight, dude. You know, you yeah, just man. you just spiked that number up right now. You you probably made that <laughs> that one went to a hundred million dollars. You know, yeah. But like, well, who, I mean, you know, who, who was it? Uh, Eminem. He bought that uh, that monkey face NFT that I guess is supposed to be him. Yeah. For like I forgot how millions or something crazy, something I mean, ridiculous. They're, they're all just absurd, like monopoly no- money numbers at this point. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I mean. You know, you can get some of that Monopoly money and then cash out. Yeah, right. I mean, I wouldn't complain. (laughs) Uh, Well, to to get back onto the Nagano Dana White thing. Mm -hmm. So there's more than just the fighter pay going on. Uh, A few years ago, the UFC was bought by WME, which is a huge talent agency. They're now called Endeavor. Um. They're the majority owners of the UFC. They paid, I think, $4.1 billion for it. And then earlier this year, they bought out the rest of the owners for another $2 billion or so. Nice. So all told, they're around somewhere around $6 billion is what they paid to get all of the UFC. Um, WME Endeavor is probably the largest talent agency in all of North America, possibly the world. The only other talent agency that can rival WME is CAA. Um, also based out of California, these two agencies have been at war with each other forever at this point. Um, do you want to guess 
who is the talent agency that reps Francis Ngannou? It's got to be CCA or whatever. Yeah, CAA. Yeah. CAA. So, see, I've heard of WME. I've never heard of CAA. So, but I this mm-hmm. makes this makes sense because I saw a, a headline that read something to the effect that uh, the UFC is suing the talent agency that Nganu works for. Yeah. Um, so, God, there, there's a lot going on back and forth between those two. Um, I don't know where that'll go. Um, I mean, Nganu, in his interview with Ariel Hawani yesterday, mentioned that in the drive from the hotel to the arena before the fight, him and his agent both received emails from the UFC saying that they were going to sue them um, for talking with uh, Logan Paul's agency about a possible boxing match. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they, they got these lawsuit uh, threats literally in the drive from the hotel to the arena, pretty much obviously just trying to get into Nganu's head even more. Um, which is so freaking scummy, you know, uh, I can't, I can't imagine that, you know, on your way to work and your boss is sending you lawsuit threats. Like it's insane. Yeah. Um, Nganu's manager also in the week, uh, before the fight got these weird messages, uh, from an unknown number that happened to have a Las Vegas area code and they were very racist messages. Um, pretty much, you know, saying awful things about Nganu and how he's going to, the whole world's going to see he's a fraud and then mm-hmm. using the N word and all sorts of other racial epithets. Um, so That's horrible. Yeah, dude. It, it was like nonstop from Dana White and the UFC side, trying to make sure that Nganu, Nganu lost this fight. Um, it's kind of insane that Nganu won. Truthfully, yeah. when you think about it, because Think about how much this guy had riding on this fight. And then to top it off, his knee gets blown out. Um, and he, he still down, won. And he still won. He turned down all that money because he was willing to bet on himself and had that much faith in his stance on this entire thing. He was willing to risk it all and went in there injured against someone that w- people didn't even know Nagano was injured. Mm-hmm. They just, even before that, Gan was already favored in this fight. And he still pulled it off somehow. It's kind of insane. You know what's funny? I uh, a friend of mine was looking at the odds, and it, I believe. And so I don't know if this is just internet nonsense, but I believe that there was like a plus seven hundred or nine thousand something super ridiculous for this fight to go the five rounds to a decision in favor of Ningano. Yeah, it, it had some insane odds, and I'm like, when he told me, I was, I was like, dude, that's that's wasted money, man. This fight's not getting out of the first round, <laughs> two oh. rounds at best, and it went five or, rounds. Or if it's a decision, it's gonna be gone winning. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, it didn't happen. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah, he had so much going on uh, against him, and you see that that you see the thing is, Dana being an old dog, um. And and knowing the boxing game knows all these stories, knows all these these mm-hmm. little evil little tricks. Um, there's a there's an amazing book um, called Rope Burns. It's actually a collection of short stories uh, about boxing, 
And mm-hmm. in that in that book, it you know, I guess it at one point got re- renamed and it's uh it it's now called uh Million Dollar Baby because it's the, Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, because it's the story that inspired the movie Million Dollar Baby starring Clint Eastwood. Um and I forgot the name of the the uh, Elizabeth is it can't remember her name right now. I'm awful with names, by the way. But yeah, yeah me so, too. so uh, but yeah, so like you know, and no disrespect to the actress who who played uh, the the you know protagonist in that story. It's it's an amazing, it was an amazing story in Hillary Swank. Hillary Swank, thank you. Yeah, it's an amazing story, and it was even better on film. Um, but uh. In that story, in that in that book, there's a story about this small time journeyman boxer where, you know, he's you know a black guy and he's with his trainer and they're traveling to, I don't know, someplace, someplace far, you know, in the middle of nowhere, in middle America. And so, you know, they go out there and, uh, you know, it, it just they're doing this weird mental warfare thing the whole time before the fight. And it was like, you know, they 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 put him up in a hotel. It was a noisy hotel. It wasn't where the nice hotel was. They had their favorite the the uh, the favorite fighter to win at a nice swanky hotel. You know, this guy was like in a motel down the street. It was noisy. Smelled like cigarettes. There was roaches. You know, and there was no food. They 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 were setting him up to lose. They were trying to do everything they could to lose. And that book is crazy because there was all kinds of that story in particular was interesting because that was the first time I ever heard of that kind of shit being done. And they do it on purpose. They and and I'm sure Dana is aware of this kind of stuff and is and that's what he's doing. You know, that's the mental warfare bullshit, you know. In the story, the guy didn't get any food, he was hungry. So he ended up hanging out with the kitchen uh, people and the kitchen guys just gave him a bunch of food because, you know, he was nice, you know, and the coach was like, you know, trying to keep him uh, happy. And the guy's like, don't, it doesn't matter. This is all fuel. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go in there and kick the shit out of this guy. And I'm going to, you know, prove that I win. I, you know, it's, but there was more stuff. There's all kinds of other stuff. There's a great story in that book about a cup man. And uh, in the story, the cup man, he he was working with a boxer and the boxer had had gypped them before in the past right mm-hmm. so then the boxer had come to him and say hey you know i need a cut man and you know can you come and you know be in my corner and he's like no you owe me money blah 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 and he's just like no dude like i'll pay you just you know can you come and help me with this fight right so the dude decides he's going to help him right and along the way, he gets an idea that this guy is going to stiff him again on, mm-hmm. on the money that he owes him and the money he's going to owe him for the fight that he's in. So um, apparently this guy had a lot of uh, scar tissue, right? So in the story, the first thing that happened, he goes out there, boom, he gets cut, right? Because the scar tissue makes the, the skin thin. So he starts yeah, like bleeding. the Diaz brothers, like the Diaz brothers. So this guy just starts bleeding out his face. Right. And then the cut man brings him in and he cleans him up, but he doesn't, he cleans him up just enough. 
just enough to make it look like he's doing a good job. Guy goes out there and, you know, he just keeps bleeding. And eventually the guy loses the fight because he bled too much. Right. And so the, the boxer was like, what the fuck, you know, like, and he's like, I'm trying my best, you know, you just cut too easy. But in the whole, the whole time he was, this guy was when he would, you know, you know, they got the, that cold iron. Yeah. The end swell. Yeah. The end swell. Yeah, yeah. When they put that on, he was putting it on his face and instead of like trying to push the blood away, he was pushing the blood oh, into it. He was yeah. doing all kinds, just putting just enough Vaseline wow. to, keep it, to, to, to keep it from him bleeding. But the moment he got out into the middle of the ring, it'd be gone. So he was doing all these little shady, tricky little things. Wow. And in the end, the guy lost and that's what he wanted, but he had gotten his money back because he placed money on the other guy. Yeah, of course. So he, he had a huge payout. He took his money. He went to Tijuana. He had some nice Mexican uh, food and, and then went home. <laughs> okay. But, but it's it's an amazing little book. It's about it's a book about that thin, and it has some of the most amazing boxing stories. Um, uh, but, like, it, it's, you know, this is the kind of shit that Dana's probably aware of, and this is the kind of shit that he's kind of probably due to his fighters. Because he, he wanted – Gane or Gain or what I can't pronounce. I know Gane. I, I know he's French. It's just <laughs> I, it's spelled G-A-N-E. I can't help but call him Gain. Gone. I'm sure Dana wanted Gone to win. And this oh, without the, a doubt. And the shit that you're telling me that this guy was sending him emails with fucking it just fucking doesn't surprise me, man. What a bastard. No man. Oh, that's man. not that's Dude. not cool. You you should be able to sue that guy for that kind of shit. Oh yeah. I mean what. Well, <laughs> The outrageous thing is, you know, as you describe rope burns, um, most people read that and be like, wow, that is awful. Like, what a nightmare. Yet there's other people that read that and are like, oh, that's a blueprint of things I can do uh, to get what I want. Yeah. And we'll, we'll let the listeners guess which one of those two camps Dana White probably falls in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no. And, and it's just like, the thing is, is that, the guy who wrote the story is a cut man he, or he was a cut man. Mm-hmm. Uh, where do you think he got inspiration for all these stories? It's cause this shit happens, you know, yeah. w- with these smaller promotions, you know, it's, it's wild, man. It's wild to think that even at the, at the highest professional level that you would be, that you would still see this kind of crap, this shady crap, you know, um, I don't know. I've been I've been at like local UFC, um, local MMA events, mm-hmm. and those are always a hoot for like various reasons. I've been at some real low budget ones, and I've been at some really nice ones. Um, I saw one which I'm sure is more than people have seen more of their fair share of this kind of thing, where the the fight starts, the two guys rush rush each other, the one guy pushes the other guy so hard he flies out the gate. You know, I was Dude. at one. I was at one of those. It wow! Was at, it was at a little hall, and and there were two little guys too. They were like I don't know, 135 pounds or something, mm-hmm. and they rushed each other. And the one guy just came at him really hard. I, I don't know. I can't remember. I couldn't see. I don't remember what happened either. So I, I think he shot on him, and he kind of shoved him into the into the cage. The cage door. The cage door swung open. Both of these guys fell out, and it was called 
uh, a no contest because the one guy fell on the concrete and hurt his head. Oh and, wow! And okay. he got up and he was he was in La La Land, of course. you yeah. know. But it was just like, what the fuck, <laughs> you know? Dude. It was, it was, it was crazy. I've seen some funny shit and some crazy shit, but like at the same hall, um, the the ceiling was super low. Like the cage, <laughs> the cage was like a foot away from from touching the ceiling, and so there was a couple of times the guys jumped to throw a kick or something, and they touched the fucking the panels in the ceiling, you know. Oh my god! You know, I mean, the cage is what like six feet tall, somewhere around there. I the cage has got to be like yeah, maybe six feet tall, but like they lift it off the ground. Yeah, you know, yeah. but this one. So you don't even have to jump that high to be hitting the ceiling there. No, no, you don't. Wow. You don't. Have, yeah, he was touching the ceiling, just you know, maybe just getting on his toes or something. I don't know, but uh, dude, man, like some of these shows, some of these low end shows, I expect this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, like you know, shady promoters and all sorts of underhanded shit like that. Yeah, no, well, I mean, not even not the underhanded shit, the the wacky shit, the fucking guy yeah, flying out of yeah. the cage, jumping up and hitting the ceiling, that stuff. Like I've seen that. There's funny stories like um, um, Mayhem Miller has a has a funny story mm-hmm. where I guess half the cage had collapsed, and they were wow. fighting. They were fighting on the other side <laughs> of the cage. <laughs> it's like it's like they were making sure nobody fell into the hole in the cage. You know, so like the shit, you know, it's it's funny because I'm sure this kind of stuff still happens. Uh, Because, I mean, you always have somebody, you know, trying to be the next big promotion, you know, but Mm -hmm. they got to start somewhere. Right. So, you know, I, I, you know, I approve of their spirit, but they got to they got to make sure they they do a good job of getting that equipment together. <laughs> I mean, those early days of UFC were pretty wacky too. You had yeah, guys yeah. fighting in sneakers. You had that one guy <laughs> wearing only one boxing glove. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Well, there's no weight classes. You know, you had Tank <laughs> Abbott in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was that was a wild night, and even that was a little rigged. I mean, I'm yeah, sure man. you've heard you heard the stories, but you know, it's. It's how the UFC started, you know, and they and they managed to promote jujitsu. And look at look at what it is now. If granted, maybe there is a, you can call it shady, maybe you can call it ingenious, whatever you want to call it. It's made MMA what it is today, right? If mm-hmm. if Hoist would have lost in those early days, the UFC would have been dead. Yeah, and so would have and so jujitsu would have been as well, you know. Uh, because of because of those fights, jujitsu and MMA took off. So, to that, I'm I'm grateful because I love jujitsu and and I love watching fights. But but like like the wacky shit, I'm accustomed to the the stuff where they're doing this weird mental warfare stuff where they're like, you know, calling you know or sending emails to to sue them that stuff just Mm -hmm. makes my stomach turn man yeah and i mean it's 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 kind of wild to think of where this could go next um because this is the other thing that sets francis nangano apart so in the past 
if a fighter was at the end of his contract, but they won a championship or a championship fight, they automatically got renewed for another fight. Nice. That was written into the contract. They couldn't leave the, the organization holding the belt. Um, uh. But recently, the UFC was hit with an antitrust lawsuit. And a lot of the terms in that lawsuit were not released. Um, but one of the ones that did come out, uh, and people didn't know this until very recently, uh, as part of the settlement in the lawsuit, the UFC had to do away with that contract stipulation. Hmm. So Francis Nangano is the first fighter to be holding this kind of leverage where his contract did not get automatically renewed by fighting or by winning that belt again. And if he just sits out until December, he's a complete free agent, regardless if he's still champion or not. So all Nangano has to do is wait until December. And you can make the argument, well, then if he does that, couldn't the UFC just strip him of his belt? Well, the other thing that came out in that settlement is the moment that the UFC strips a fighter of their belt, they are a free agent. So the UFC can either let Nangano sit till December and he becomes a free agent, or they could strip him next month and then Nangano is a free agent. So it's the most leverage I think I've ever seen a fighter hold over the UFC since probably Conor McGregor, but I mean, that doesn't even count. But So then, okay, so... I guess what I'm hearing is, is that then if he sits, regardless of what happens, mm-hmm. if he sits out all the way to December, which I think is the best scenario, if he sits out yeah. until December and becomes a free agent, he's a free agent with the UFC belt. Correct. So the UFC technically can't award the belt to anybody else because he's holding it. No, no, they can award the belt to someone else. Um, once he's a... I mean, they could strip him at any point. So if yeah. Dana White says to hell with him, I don't care if he's a free agent, they could strip him at that moment. Um, so they'll be able to give the belt again, except Francis Nagano and the rest of everyone else would know that guy never lost. Like yeah. that guy is the heavyweight champion. I don't care if you give the belt to gone or, you know, some other random heavyweight, give it to mm-hmm. John Jones, who knows? Everyone knows the truth. And Francis Nagano gets to walk around known as the baddest man on the planet. That's amazing. And whatever so, organization signs him gets to market it that way too. And and the other thing too is it's like he can always say, "Well, you're not the real champ." Yeah, exactly. You know, I was. I'm the champ. You are the guy that UFC gave the belt to. I, I imagine, I, you know, the amount of power that gives. Let's say he signs with Bellator. Mm-hmm. Bellator gets to say they have the real champion, and people will tune in to watch that, knowing like whoever the UFC has isn't as good as that guy. So why shouldn't I watch him over here? Yeah. He's the real champ. He would be, yeah. If Bill, if Bellator takes him in this, in this scenario, he is, he is actually a, a two promotion champ. Mm -hmm. Like for real. Yeah. For real, for real. Yeah. Cause he never lost the belt. Yeah. he He never lost the belt. Um, yeah, it's it's a weird 12 months that the UFC is about to enter into because Nagano becomes a free agent in December. Uh, Israel Adesanya becomes a free agent in December. Uh, Conor McGregor also becomes a free agent at the end of this year. So <laughs> if these guys really wanted to, they could ban- these three guys alone could really band together mm-hmm. and really put, you know, 
to really let the UFC have it, you know, really force them to bend to their will. Uh, you see, Connor won't do it, though. No, of course he won't. Con- Connor's happy with that relationship between Dana and himself. Mm-hmm. Um, I-, I I wonder what what um, Stylebender will do. Yeah, I don't know, because he's he's towed the line like he's walked right up to the line several times, but he's never outwardly said the fighters need to get paid more. Mm-hmm. However, he has a good relationship with Francis Ngannou. And um, I don't know if you ever watched Style Bender's videos. He does on YouTube. Mm-hmm. No, I haven't. He'll do like he'll do like a 10 or 15 minute like a uh, fight preview for these big cards. And his yeah. latest one he did that came out a few days ago for the fight. Um, it was the first time that he said, like, come on, UFC, you got to pay this guy more. Pay the man. Mm-hmm. Ngano deserves more. So that's as outwardly spoken as he's been about it. So at the very least, he's showing his support for Ngano when right now Ngano is like the UFC's biggest, you know, uh, foil or whatever you want to call him. Yeah. So that's that's interesting. Damn, this is exciting. This is exciting because if there's an opportunity for the fighters to really band together and get more money, it, it would be now. Yeah. Yeah. But the, the other thing, too, is it's like, you know, the other thing that could happen is the fighters band together and then they show up at a UFC and then don't fight. Yeah, that's the other thing they could do. Yeah, like just just sit in the just sit in the cage and just not fight. And then wait for Dana to fucking shed himself and say, fine, I'll pay you guys, <laughs> you know, because then what's going to happen? People paid $75 to watch two guys club each other in the yeah. head or two women to club each other in the head and they're not doing it. Well, you know? here's the thing. So um, with the new deal that the UFC signed with ESPN, with Disney, um, unlike in the past, the UFC gets a set amount of money for each pay-per-view now directly from ESPN. Everything above that goes to ESPN. Mm. So technically the UFC doesn't really need these pay-per-views to be great. That's why you're seeing a lot of these pay-per-views now have like one or two good big name fights and the rest are just a bunch of no names Mm. because it doesn't matter how many they sell. They're still going to get the same amount of money from ESPN. However, if the fighters were to do that, like literally just walk into the ring and then tap the mat and say they're out or whatever, and then that's the end of the fight. I mean, what kind of reaction do you think Disney is going to give the UFC if this is what they just put out there? And yeah. what kind of pressure is going to be put on Dana White at that moment? That would be fantastic. That's, <laughs> that's, that's what they should do. You know what? I would tune in for that. I'd pay if someone started some some bullshit started talking shit and saying, Hey, you know, let's, you know, you and me, let's go to the, you know, when we go to the cage, let's just sit there and wait for yeah. uncle Dana to pay us more. Yeah. You, know, you can be sitting in your living room chanting, Wilga, Wilga. Yeah. Yeah. Shit, dude. That would, but you see the, the guys, you gotta, you gotta get to those guys though. Like how, Mm-hmm. Or and gals, like how do you get them to agree to something like that? You know, when they well, all, I mean, when they're already yeah. like you know working for peanuts, you know. Yeah, exactly, and that's what Francis Ngannou says too. When uh, he was asked like, why can't the fighters form a union or why can't they go on strike? He's like, they're living paycheck to paycheck. These fighters can't survive 
unless they have these fights. So the first step is to change the contract structure and then work from there. And hopefully one day have a union. But if they did it just, I mean, who knows? It might only take a couple fights. It wouldn't have to be the entire card. Yeah. Or you know what? Maybe not the entire card. Maybe just the main event. Yeah, exactly. They just go out there and they sit down and they refuse to strike. Get, get some, some beautiful fight together. And those guys just go out there and sit down. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, they came close to not that specifically, but that first uh, McGregor-Dustin Poirier fight, for whatever reason, the UFC didn't want to make the fight. Uh, So in the contracts, these fighters cannot go fight for a separate promotion, and they cannot make money fighting somewhere else other than the UFC. So what Dustin and Connor were going to do is hold a charity event, a nonprofit charity event, fight each other. All the money was going to go to charity. And that got the UFC to bend and then give into their demands and pay them what they were asking for. Nice. Well, yeah. I mean, so I mean, it's worked. Yeah, it's but it's uh, but it was for those guys and not everybody. Exactly. It's Connor McGregor. He yeah. has like a whole separate relationship and contract compared to everyone else. Yeah. It's um, it's you know I, I'm sure it's obvious to everybody, but it's not fair. It's not fair. It's not cool. These guys, these guys are getting paid less than the barista that gives you your goddamn coffee. Yeah, man, isn't that wild? I it's mean, wild. more power to the baristas. They should be getting paid, you know, as much as mm. possible too. Yes. It's not one of those arguments where like we're saying a barista or someone working in fast food should get paid less. No, no. it's everyone involved needs to get paid more. Yeah. Well, not only that, but like there might be an accident at the, the coffee house and you burn yourself. That can happen. There's, you know, some workplace hazards. Mm-hmm. The likelihood of people getting hurt as a UFC employee fighter is pretty goddamn high. Like maybe, maybe they should, maybe they deserve just a little bit more, if not a ton more, for yeah. risking their life. You know, like I don't think there's been a death in MMA yet. God forbid that, you know, if there ever mm-hmm. is. No, you know what? I think there has been, actually. Yeah, there, none for the UFC, though. Not, none for the UFC, but there has been a death because someone uh, had, like, kidney failure or something to that effect for, from because they were cutting weight, yeah. you know? Yeah. But anyway, it's just, uh, yeah. I mean, again, you're right. I'm not, I'm not trying to say that baristas and, and people that work at McDonald's or whatever don't deserve money. I'm just saying that these guys, you know, they're on TV and they're risking their lives and they're not getting uh, what I think is, you know, is, is fair. Oh, I mean, think about how athletes. much it's think about how much revenue each one of these guys is generating for the USC. Like we just said, the pay-per-views are $75 each now. On top of the five ninety nine, you have to pay ESPN just to have access to them. So it's eighty bucks a month if you were to buy a pay per view every month. It's eighty a month for these big pay per views. The UFC sells six hundred thousand of them, sometimes eight hundred, nine hundred thousand. If it's a McGregor fight, they sell over a million. If it's McGregor and Khabib or something, it's yeah. like one point two million, I think pay per view sales. So if you times that out, you know, multiply seventy five by one point, or let's say you know a million. All that money is going to the UFC on top of the sponsorship stuff, on top of whatever broadcasting deals they have in other countries. And then on top of that, the gate, the ticket sales for the actual event 
also are up in the millions. Mm-hmm. Yet the fighters are making 15 grand, 20 grand. The big name guys are making a hundred, two hundred thousand $200,000. I mean, it's nuts. Is it there? There has to be another reason that these guys are not getting some money. I mean, why? It, it can't be just greed. Please tell me it's not greed. I, I, I'm like trying to find a reason to cut these people some slack and say, okay, well, you know, there's a huge, you know, we took a giant loan, you know, the, the, the sponsored deals don't really give us what we, what we're saying. There's a, tons of money that we're, that we have to give out to pay this, this and that, like throw us a bone. Let us like, like let us clue us in because right now it just looks like greed and you guys are starving people. And these guys, mm-hmm. they're passionate about their job, but I'm even thinking like, why are you fighting? Yeah. You know, you could be doing anything else and make more. I mean, it's a shitty feeling because you want to be able to be a fan of the sport and support it and buy the pay-per-views, show your support. But when these things happen, it makes you feel kind of shitty. It does. Yeah, because you're supporting it. Yeah, because you're supporting it. You're allowing this to occur. You're paying, you're giving your money to the UFC knowing full well what's happening. I don't want to feel guilty for buying a pay-per-view. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it makes me um, maybe start following something else. Maybe maybe I start looking at one because I've seen I've seen some of the videos that one puts out on Instagram and they seem Dude, they're be, good. They seem fantastic, right? Yeah. Plus, they do. They don't only do MMA. I, I've seen them put on mm-hmm. you know Muay Thai sh- uh, fights. Yeah. You know, so like all on the same card. All on the same card. Everybody fights with the little gloves. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. You know, so I don't know, man. It just it breaks my heart because. Um, I love I love fights. I love to watch the fights. Uh, I've met fighters. I know what fighters are like, mm-hmm. and they're genuinely some of the nicest people you'll ever yeah, meet. Yeah, isn't that wild? Yeah, yeah. they're all you know? good people. Yeah, you know, it's just uh, for the most part. For the most part, there's some there's some assholes, yeah. you know, but but like a, a lot of them are, are just like gentle hearted people, right? You know, it's just, it's just uh, some of them decided they wanted to fight for. You know, because they live in a dangerous neighborhood or it's mm-hmm. part of their, you know, family, you know, tradition or whatever yeah. reason. But it's it's not because they're they're psychopaths, you know. Yeah. Um, well, they have. <laughs> if we talk about the fight night coming up. Uh, there is a psychopath on that card. <laughs> we'll get there in a bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just I, I love I love fighters, man. I love I love those guys. I love talking to them. I love being around those guys. They're genuine people. Yeah. Well, but, uh, go ahead. Who knows, man? I mean, thanks to Francis Nganu, this is the most I've seen people talk about this. I mean, we just we just dedicated an hour, maybe more than an hour, on this topic. Mm-hmm. Um, it's bringing it's bringing attention to this issue, and I think eventually the UFC is going to have to do something, is, even if it's just a little something to get the heat off. So, what do you predict? will happen just out of curiosity like what do you think what do you think will happen and what do you hope will happen um i mean my hope would be that fighters have a union but i don't think that's going to happen anytime Mm. soon at least but i think maybe you'll see a a bump in the fighters pay you'll see a bump in the fight night or in the night in in the bonuses for the card you know instead of maybe 25k or 50k you double it to a hundred thousand for fight of the night or whatever, knockout of the night, sub of the night. Um, but it's not going to be millions. You don't think it'll be millions? 
don't think it'll be millions. Um, maybe if you're a champion, there'll be a minimum as to how much you'll make. And maybe they'll get a couple more points when it comes to the uh, pay-per-view share that they've received. Mm. I could see that happening. Um, I could see the health insurance thing and maybe a pension. Cause I mean, that wouldn't even be that much. It doesn't take much to provide these fighters with that. You can make it so like you have to be a member of the UFC for a minimum of two years before you have access to a pension or a 401k or whatever. Yeah. And you have to be a member of the UFC. You maybe you had to have had two fights to receive full insurance benefits or something, you know, like you put all sorts of stipulations, but I could see that happening. Uh, just, just to give you some idea of what a regular job has at um, most jobs will give you a 401k after three months. Yeah. Like you can start putting money into the 401k after three months. After a certain time, like I of of service in the company, I, I forget what it is. Maybe, maybe three years, maybe five years. I don't know. But like uh, you can start doubling the amount. They put they put limits on how much you can put mm -hmm. into your 401k, and then after a certain time, you can put even more money into the 401k, or the company will match even more money for being an employee for as long as you have. Um, I think getting a 401k in three months, like what the fuck, you know, like a normal job, yeah. a piece of shit job where I was like photocopying stuff at one point in my low end job that I had when I, you know, in the middle of my twenties, I had this piece of shit, uh, shit job. They gave me a 401k and all I was doing was scanning pieces of paper, pieces of paper over and over again. Mm -hmm. um, why can't they do that for the UFC? Like maybe after the first fight, after the first fight, boom, there's your 401k. That's about three months or it's actually two yeah. because you're in training camp for two months. Then you fight the night of the fight. You show up, boom, you got a 401k. They, they start putting money in your 401k. Like what, I mean, what's wrong with that? Exactly. Exactly. There aren't, there's way less fighters on the UFC roster than there are football players in the NFL, basketball players in the NBA. Um, I don't understand why the UFC can't do that, especially when we just saw they were bought for $6 billion. <laughs> it's clear there's money pouring into this company. Um, yeah. I don't know, man. I, I don't, I don't see why it'd be so hard. Um, the fighters, you say, okay, you'll make 15 grand. Let's say 15 grand is the minimum a fighter can make. And then on top of that, every fighter gets a piece of the revenue sharing from that pay-per-view. And you can even make it small. You could say it's a, only a 10% or something. Who knows? 10% of the revenue or 15% of the revenue gets cut out, and then it gets divvied up amongst the fighters, depending on how long you've been fighting and where you were on the card. Yeah. Say. Yeah. And just like that, just like that, you have people instead of making nine, 10,000, they walk away with 40, 50,000 minimum, maybe even more. Yeah. I mean, there's always going to be the one pain in the ass that is like, I'm the star of the show. Yeah. I deserve millions, et cetera. Right. Sure. That's, that's going to happen no matter how much money there is, but you're mm -hmm. starving all these guys, you know? Yeah. So, um, so what do you think is likely to happen then? You think you you yeah, think um, just a bump, just, just a, a bump, just a bump, a bump, and then 
some kind of minuscule amount of revenue sharing to the fighters. Um, I mean, like I said, in those major, major leagues, uh, in baseball, football, um, and basketball and, uh, soccer, when you look at the Euro leagues, all of them get a minimum of 50% cut of the revenue brought in by the league. Uh, I think you looked up that in boxing, it's a minimum of 70%. Yeah. Um, the bigger name guys get a lot more than that, but wow. And the, the UFC dudes are somewhere between, I think it was 12% or something in the latest filings. And that number has gone down instead of gone up. Oh man. Oh man. That's, that's so sad. So I think we should move on, but like, uh, yeah, let's, let's talk about these psychopaths you were talking about in the next card. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, so the next fight night is February 5th and oddly enough, there's only one fight on the main card. That has a very nice. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I've seen that before. Uh, there's fights on the prelims, but at least for the main card, it's Jack Hermanson versus Sean Strickland. Okay. Um, it's an interesting fight. Uh, two contrasting styles. Um, I know Strickland, Herm- but I, I've never, I don't know who the other guy is. Jack Hermanson is actually that guy in uh, the Kamzat video. Kamzat video I showed, I sent you a while back where he was just uh, wrestling? In a wrestling tournament with a random dude. Yeah, that was actually Jack Hermanson. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay, cool. Yeah. So Jack Hermanson is like an elite level jujitsu uh, fighter uh, with also really good wrestling. Mm-hmm. Well, but he's mostly better. known for his jujitsu. Yeah, not better than yeah, not than, better, yeah. than Hamza, no. Yeah. Um, and Sean Strickland, on the other hand, relies more on his striking. He's got a lot more knockouts. Um, so, you know, it's a classic, you know, jiu-jitsu wrestler versus striker kind of matchup. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing is, Sean Strickland is a straight psychopath. Like, um, <laughs> I don't know if you've ever seen any of his interviews. Mm-hmm. Uh, he openly talks about how if he wasn't a UFC fighter, he would be a serial killer. Um, he's That's- also – yeah. He's That's also bragged scary. that he hopes he kills someone in the ring one day. Oh. He said he would feel no guilt about it, and that's his goal. Yeah, dude, he says a lot of fucked up stuff nonstop. Every time there's a there's a microphone in front of him, he will say something fucked up. That's fucking weird, dude. Like, <laughs> yeah, dude. Like, okay, so you think? Do you think this is just for show, or do you think he's no. a real real asshole? I mean. If you hear other fighters talk about him, they all say he's an asshole. Like, no one likes this guy. Apparently, he is very much like this behind the scenes, just in the gym by himself or with, you know, his training partners. He acts like an asshole to everyone. That's scary, dude. So he's probably, yeah. So I thought you were just playing around. No, no, no. He's a a real psychopath. Yeah, yeah. Um The thing is, though, he's an exciting fighter, and he's on a, I think like a six or five or six or seven uh, fight win streak right now. So he's the hotter fighter coming into this matchup. Um, so it, it should be a good fight. Sean Strickland is the betting favorite um, right now. Yeah, that's right. That, that's exactly mm-hmm. what I was looking up. I was I'm trying to I'm looking up right now, trying to find what the odds are. What are the odds? What do you see? Uh, I think Sean Strickland is at minus two ten. 
And then uh, Jack Hermanson's plus 175. Mm. I, I'm actually picking Hermanson to win this fight, by the way. Yeah, I would I would want to pick Hermanson just because I don't want the the psychopath to continue getting more psychopathic. <laughs> Dude, you know, like fighters for the most part is like a brotherhood. And yeah. besides the guy they're about to fight, rarely do they say me bad things about one another. Yeah, Sean Strickland, when you see other fighters talk about him, they'll just be like, yeah, fuck that guy. Can't stand that guy. Like, there's just no, no filter whatsoever. We'll just put it out there that they can't stand this dude. Huh. That's scary. That's yeah. scary. You know, to, to have a, usually um, when there's a psychopath in the group, uh, the psychopath <laughs> is easily uh, kind of weeded out by just everybody hating this guy so much that they kick his ass yeah. enough that you know he goes away um but um at least when it comes to like jujitsu gyms and stuff like that but there's always one who's just tough enough to stick around and get worse you know because then he gets he gets to be the asshole in the gym that kicks everybody's ass yeah and, uh, especially the newcomers yeah, he's yeah, he's that is a scary dude. That's really uh fucked, man. It's it's funny because um Dean Lister, uh there's a meme going around of Dean Lister a while back that said, I will not give an asshole a black belt. You know? Oh wow. Yeah, he said that he won't give it to a black to to an asshole, you know, even if he deserves it, but it's because you know, having a black belt says more than just that you have the skill. It, it means that, you know, that you represent jujitsu and mm-hmm. you know, therefore you shouldn't be a dick, you know, um, yeah. because you represent you, the person that gave you that belt. Exactly. Cause there, you're right about that. Cause there is, you know, especially in the jujitsu community, you know, people will ask you, Oh, who gave you the black belt or who's your, yeah. Who's your black belt or who's your That who's lineage your matters. It does. Everybody knows everybody in jujitsu. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows everybody. Oh, yeah, I know that guy. Yeah, he, you know, we trained way back when, or I've seen him around, or I've been to his school. Yeah. Or everybody and knows some belts, everybody. Some belts carry a lot more weight than other belts because of the person that gave that belt. Absolutely. Absolutely. That is 100% true. Um, also, you know, other things matter too. Like, for example, you know, a black belt, a 46 year old black belt is not the same as a 25 year old black belt. Mm-hmm. A 25 year old black belt is a fucking savage, you know? <laughs> a 46 year old black belt is a dude who, who just doesn't get tapped and maybe will tap a guy, you know, here and there, you know? Yeah. Um, he'll play, he'll tap you, but, you know, he might not you know, tap you all that often. The, the, the 25 year old black belt is a monster. He's that's, that's a real dangerous person. But so like, you're, you're right. There's levels to this. There's levels to this and it it matters who gives you the black belt, but man, that's, um, that, that's scary, dude. So then you, you're hoping that, uh, that, uh, Hermanson wins, huh? Yeah, that's what I'm hoping for. And, um, I don't know. I, I can't stand Sean Strickland either myself personally. So that's what I'm hoping for. And even without that, all that other bias aside, 
I really like Jack Hermanson. I think he's he's also physically the bigger fighter. Mm-hmm. So more normally when you have someone that is larger and also has the advantage when it comes to the ground game, if he gets him down, I could see him keeping him down. Kind of yeah. like Nangano uh, and Gan. Nangano did not have great technique, but he's so freaking strong. It's like once he's on top of you, good luck getting that dude off. He's amazing. Um, so I'm looking at the card. And it looks like the co-main event is a featherweight fight. Hakeem Duwadu versus Mike oh, yeah. Turizano. Wait, where so, are you looking that up? It's just uh, it's just in Google. It's under the oh UFC fight. Yeah, it's just under... <laughs> like, Google came up, and I just click on the show me more. And it's... <laughs> and it's, Dude, it's... That means Google knows more about this fight night card than the UFC's official <laughs> website. <laughs> How the fuck? That's amazing. I yeah, because... Because the co-main, the co-main is is Hakeem uh, Duadu versus Mike Truzano. I don't know who these guys are. I, in fact, the only name I know on the card is Alexis Davis. Mm-hmm. You know, except for Sean Strickland. But I, you know, yeah, that's, those are the only two names I know. This the other guys. There's a middleweight fight called uh, that's Chidi Njokanwi. I am butchering these fucking names. <sighs> There's Mark Andre uh, Baralo. Uh, Alexis Davis is fighting Jude Julia Sterlanenko, and everything else. Uh, yeah, there's all the other names are hard to pronounce too. But so, but yeah, so all these guys, I don't know who they are. So uh, maybe it will be a good night of fights. Maybe these guys are young and hungry. I hope so. I mean, even if this doesn't turn into a good card, the next pay per view after that should be good. Uh, for people to look forward to, you got Adesanya versus um, Ro- Robert Whitaker in that oh, rematch. Is it's that been forever in the making? Nice. I've been yeah. wanting to watch that one. I can't wait to Dude. see Adesanya fight again. And then um, I think the co-main on that is going to be Tai Tuivasa versus uh, Derek Lewis. Mm. They've never fought. Yeah, two yeah. dudes that just like to swing and bang. Yeah, you know? yeah. And then the one guy takes his shorts off and because his balls is hot. <laughs> yeah, that's Derek Lewis. And then the yeah. other guy, Ty Tuivasa, likes to drink beer out of stranger shoes. Oh, that guy. Yeah, uh, remember? Yeah, that's disgusting. <laughs> Dude, uh, <laughs> Ty Tuivasa. I know, man. That's the grossest it's, shit. This is the wackiest <laughs> fucking co-made. <laughs> bro you have so people go to these ufc cards and you're there like if you go see one you're there for a good five six hours that night so he's got people standing in those shoes for five or six hours then tossing it to him fills it with beer and just chugs it and then tosses another shoe right that is disgusting My, why <laughs> why i don't understand that tradition i have to i'm gonna have to look that up it's, i don't understand well it's culture man you're you're being ethnocentric here <laughs> down New Zealand culture. I, I'm not being. <laughs> I'm not trying to be racist. I'm just saying yeah. I don't understand it. Uh, someone, please explain it to me. Why? What is the attraction? Does it build immunity? You know. Uh, yeah. Imagine doing that right now during a pandemic. Mm-mm. No, hell no, hell no, oh. dude. The other fun, the fun thing about Thai. Tuivasa is uh, he comes out to like the wackiest songs. Yeah. 
So like a year ago, he came out to the Titanic theme song. Uh, <laughs> he also came out to that Barbie girl song by Aqua. Remember that I, song? Yeah, I do. I think I remember yeah. that that time too. And then the last fight before this one, when he knocked out, uh, what's his face? That asshole. Probably the other guy I hate the most in the UFC. <laughs> He's uh, playing the NFL. I can't fucking remember. Greg Hardy. That's Greg him. Hardy. Okay. Well, that night before he KO'd the fuck out of Greg Hardy, he came out to uh, Spice Girls. <laughs> so, yeah, which is uh, always hilarious. You know, some dude comes out of a Spice Girls song and then he knocks you out. Uh, That's but because of that, yeah. my brother is going to try tweeting at Ty Tuivasa to convince him to come out to the Pokemon theme song. <laughs> uh, yeah, my brother is convinced that it would tear the roof off the place if he came out to that. The Pokemon theme song. Mm-hmm. What, what? Why does your brother think that? Because there was a Reddit post, I think either yesterday or earlier today, of the guy that made the Pokemon theme song doing a live rendition of it. Uh-huh. And I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. The song slaps like it bangs. It's a banger. <laughs> so. Like, Raymond, look this my, up. my brother Raymond was telling me this and then I actually listened to him I'm like alright you're right this would be freaking awesome if you did yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna have to look this up it, this sounds uh, crazy but uh, yeah if you want to uh, help out help the cause tweet at Ty Tuivasa telling him to come out to the Pokemon theme song uh, <laughs> dude that would be amazing if that actually happens we'll do another pod and break down that uh, pay-per-view better but yeah, it, it, there's a, there's some really good fights on that card. Cool. We'll do a recap of the next uh, fight night, and then we'll we'll do a pre-fight uh, breakdown for that pay-per-view. And um, um, I think another exciting news. I think we've stumbled into a new gimmick, and it's called your dojo, where after each fight you award a belt <laughs> to each fighter depending on how well they display jujitsu during the oh. fight. Yeah, oh, I think you should do that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, give people you belts. Out, <laughs> yeah, you gave out a blue belt for Francis Ngannou and a white belt for Cyril Ngannou. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like I'm gonna get people pissed off, pissed off at me, because <laughs> I'm sure Ngannou doesn't want to get a blue belt from a purple belt. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, <I'm>, man, <laughs> look at look at how much money Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor have made off pissing people off. So that's true. That's true. Um. Yeah, yeah. But you see, I'm I'm not I'm not Floyd Mayweather. I don't have Mayweather money. You know. For yeah. No. But people tune in out of anger after a while. You know. <laughs> That's true. They want to see me lose, right? <laughs> yeah. They're gonna be like, "Well, I want to hear what this asshole has to say this time. What kind of belt is he giving out this week?" <laughs> oh, dude. Uh, funny that uh, we're we're on the subject. Of, uh, what was it like? I don't know. Like ten episodes ago. Uh, we had some trolls on the on the podcast, like no and they way. did. They trolled. Um, they were just talking shit on one of the episodes, but they did it in SoundCloud where I hosted, and I could see where they were talking shit because they were throwing in comments on the timeline. So I was like, dude. This is fucking awesome. You know, talk to all the shit you want. Just hit play, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you know? 
So like, you know, yeah, you know, they, people can hate. That's fine. Just hit play. Yeah. <laughs> Talk all you want, but just keep talking about me. Just keep talking. Listen all the way through. Hit, you know, you keep saying shit. That's fine. I love it. <laughs> what were they saying, man? What what were they bragging yeah. on you about? It was weird. Uh, they made some comment about the the podcast because they were they actually were listening to it, but kind of not. I don't know. I, it was oh. weird because they made comments on the things that was happening in the in the episode, but the thing that really stuck out to me was they were calling me weird names, and, and I. <laughs> I didn't I didn't understand what the names were. I had to like talk to not my cousin Dan, the other co-host. Uh-huh. To to tell them I was like, dude, what are they saying? It's just like, dude, these it's English. They just they're throwing, you know, racist, you know, names at you. They just wow. they're just, you know, anti-Semitic. And I'm like, dude, that's the wrong culture. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like that's that, that's not even me, you know. So I'm not even Jewish. Not that there's anything wrong with it. Not that there's anything wrong with it. Exactly. At least get your racism right. <laughs> yes, yes. Call me the yeah. right, you know, racial slur. Don't don't you know get it right. But anyway, um, so I'm gonna we're gonna cut out. I think we we've, we've been at it for maybe an hour and a half, depends. But uh you got anything you want to plug before we go, my friend? uh no nothing new um check out the show's yellow jackets it's a good time (laughs) uh if if you like if you like lost and if you like spooky shit then you'll like yellow jackets and i'm also (laughs) watching station 11 which is also a good time so yeah if you watch station 11 okay i I, i've seen that and i've been wanting to watch that but okay i'll check that out did you did you were you were you into lost was that a thing you were into no, but I like the spooky weird shit. So like I like Oh, so you like yellow jackets. Mm. So I'll check uh, I'll check I'll check all that shit out. If you like uh comic book and superhero stuff, uh Peacemaker is also a really good time. I saw the so, first episode. That fucking show is nuts. Bro, <laughs> it's nuts. And I'll tell you what, so it's like four four or five episodes in. I yeah. think the first episode is probably my least favorite episode. Fuck out of here because I love it. It's a that great episode. show. Yeah, oh. it's a great show. Because it's very, it's 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 very reminiscent of the boys, except funnier. Yes. And I love the yeah. boys. And I love the boys. The boys are. All, I can't yeah. wait for the next season of the boys. Oh yeah, it's coming up, man. Yeah. Did you uh, the other Amazon Prime show? Did you watch Invincible? Yes, I love Invincible oh, too. Dude, That's man, it. that was so freaking good. Yeah, yeah, and it's like taking forever for a second season for I those know. guys. It got delayed again. <sighs> But anyway, all right, man. Well, thanks yeah. so much, man. This uh, is otra vez and El Lechuga. We're talking MMA. Thank you for listening. We'll catch you next time. Peace. The music you're listening to is titled Pop Out by Gabe Nandez. You can find that over at Epidemic Sound. And should you go over to Epidemic Sound, make sure you use my referral link in the description so that they know that I sent you. Yeah, man. I hope it wasn't too much of a downer. We did get a little serious because we were talking about fighter pay and some of the more heroic things that I see Nganu doing in terms of not only standing up for himself, but also for other fighters. So he's a hero. As always, Lechuga brought it up and and, uh, he makes some great points. He's really studied in the world of fighting and I appreciate him. Now, if you like what you heard and you want to find out more, head on over to our website, thefloropodcast.com. You'll find a complete catalog of all our episodes and 
and a store where you can buy some merchandise. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram under the name The Flow Roll. And don't forget to follow me, Edgar Otraves, under the name Edgar Otraves. Again, those links will be found in the description. I hope you liked this episode. Thank you so much for listening. We will catch you next time. Behave yourselves. Laters. Laters.